You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Uh, One of the things that Christians have dealt with uh, forever, as long as there has been a Christian church, is how do we interact with the world around us? The world is broken Uh, in some ways irreparably broken on this side of eternity. Until Jesus comes back, there will always be brokenness in our world. And the church lives inside of that brokenness, right, as a rose in the desert sometimes. Uh, And the question is, how can we be the church in the midst of a broken culture? Specifically, how can we be the church in the midst of a broken culture that isn't just broken by sin of individuals, but when the leadership above them is wicked. You know, the church began underneath the Roman Empire, and it did not take long for Roman persecution to find the church. You know, it's celebrated under, under, under like Nero, um, but Trajan as well. There's a variety of Roman emperors uh, who had different degrees of persecution on the church. And they were uh, wicked, all right, wicked leaders, pagan leaders, uh, and the church began underneath that. So from the founding of the church in the book of Acts until today, we have had to deal with corrupt, wicked governments. And the question that Paul deals with at length in one of his books is how do we react to that? How do we, how do we live underneath that? And since the government has the sword, uh, what do we do? Uh, and, and Paul deals with that issue, but even before Paul, before Jesus, the writer of Ecclesiastes dealt with that issue. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be in the book of Ecclesiastes for just a few more weeks, right? So if you just hold your breath, we'll get through this together, okay? We'll, we'll push through the book together. I'm actually going on vacation to avoid preaching two weeks of it, okay? Um, that's not true, right? I'm going on vacation because my family could, could use some time together before we send our, our oldest son here off to college and he leaves us forever, right? Find some... <laughs> Find some nice girl in Missouri and marries her and never comes home again. Uh, but we're, we're, we're excited uh, about that trip. Pray for us, by the way, as we go, because uh, eight people, one car, no matter how big the car is, eight people, one car, okay? So they're, they're, we may come back with six, who knows, right? And I may not be one of them uh, who makes it back. Uh, so pray for us as, as, as we make that trip. Uh, but we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, and the writer of Ecclesiastes looks at the issue of the brokenness in the world, which he's looked at very in-depth, and specifically now he takes, what about if the government is broken around us? And we have it uh, starting in chapter 8, verse 1. He says, Who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence, and do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, What are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. Um, For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him." So he looks at the situation, and this writer here of the book of Ecclesiastes, he's one of the reasons uh, that I think maybe Solomon isn't the the full writer of Ecclesiastes, is he looks at this, uh, and he says how to deal with a king 
who's not you know, wise among himself, who's wicked uh, among himself. That would be a lot of self-evaluation for Solomon to do. But the, the general point is, when you're dealing with the king, whether he's good or bad, you need to recognize his authority, a leader's authority, right, is given, vested by God. We see that in uh, the book of Romans, right, that God has installed all people to positions of power. That doesn't mean that everyone in a position of power is godly. In fact, quite the opposite. Many times the people who look for power, who seek power, and who achieve power are very corrupt, very wicked. We can look inside of our own country and see that. Sometimes our eyes are better attuned to see it in other places, right? We look out to other countries and the leadership of other people, other countries around the world today, and we say that leader is just wicked, right? We can, we can look at leaders like from my childhood, Saddam Hussein, and we're like, that's just a bad dude, right? He just does bad dude things, right? You go far enough back, you can see that in the leaders of the Soviet Union. You can see that in the leaders of China. Currently, the leader of China is a pretty bad dude, right? He's, he's, he's not, 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 not a friend to a lot of people. Uh, and, and so we can see it sometimes clear if we look outside of our own little context here, because in our context, we can only see good and bad based on political parties, right? We get kind of blinded by political parties. So like our guy good, their guy bad, and then their guy, you know, someone from the other side is like, my guy good, your guy bad, and you're both talking about the same guy. Um, but if we look beyond our, our, our little nationalism here, we look out, sometimes it's clearer for us to see there's a lot of people in power around the world, and they're not good. But the, the biblical truth is that people who have governing authority, God has vested them with that power. And so our responsibility for them is in as far as we can to obey them, recognizing that there are grave consequences for disobeying them, right? They have been given great authority. So in this case, he's like, be not quick to leave the king, right? If you're in presence with the king and the king says something stupid, you're like, I'm out of here, right? You just walk away because he can kill you for just walking away from him without being dismissed. He's like, don't, don't be hasty. Don't join with some evil cause. In that case, that would be some sort of like a gathering to overthrow the king. There was a whole, whole lot of executions of kings back in the day, right? People gathering together with other political elites and leaders of the time and finding a way to execute people. He says, don't be a part of those schemes. Don't seek to, to overthrow that person. Don't seek to destroy that person. You know what? Because they have great power. That's not to say that there's never a time to have civil disobedience. I believe that there is. I believe that there's moments in the life of the church where we have to say, well, I obey God or obey man, right? We have this in the book of Acts, right? You, you decide for yourself whether it's right to obey man or obey God, but as for us, we're going to continue to preach about what we've seen and what we've heard, right? And this is, this is what we do. But beyond those restrictions, I think Christians should be people who generally will subject ourselves to governing authorities even when we know that the governing authority isn't righteous. It's not to support the governing authority. It's not to hold them up. We don't need to praise them and say that everything they do is good and right. But we need to recognize insofar as we can that we live underneath the authority and all authority has been vested from the divine authority on, on top. But also we need to recognize that it doesn't, like it matters, but all of this authority is temporary. In, in our country, it, every four years, Every two years, depending on how you look at power cycles, but every four years, we have massive changes in our political power structure in our country. Right? It's all temporary. Our, our Constitution demands 
that it's all temporary, that it's, it's constantly rolling over, right? And that's just, that's just the way we're done. But power is temporary. These kings, these leaders, these presidents, these congressmen, these governors, whoever it is that you look out at and you say, boy, that person's got it all wrong. I just want you to know their time is temporary, just like your time is temporary. The author of Ecclesiastes is not scared to tell you how temporary your life is. He tells you almost every chapter, hey, you're going to die one day. Right? And he says it right here, if you continue on, starting in verse 7. He says, for he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? For no one, verse 8, has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of his death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed will apply my heart uh, to wisdom. Right? And the idea here is that death is coming for all of us. The king included, the leader included, and no power that they have now is eternal. It's a temporary power. And so for us to subject ourselves to immoral leadership for a season is, not, uh, is to recognize like God has given that person power for some reason, allowed them to obtain that power. For, uh, God plays 3D chess. I'm not even good at 2D chess. Like God's playing on multiple planes, right? Uh, and so, like, we can see wickedness sometimes in our leaders. But that doesn't give us a right or doesn't, doesn't demand of us to disobey them until they start getting into issues of our faith. I'll give you a quick civil disobedience primer, right? If the government is stopping you um, from doing the work that God has called you to do, which is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, if the government is trying to stop that, then you disobey. Right? That's where we disobey. I would say, okay, I'm going to disobey. Now, like in our country, we have like some sort of like constitutional republic. Depends on the day. <laughs> we have something like a constitutional republic in our country. Right? And so you have congressmen that you can appeal to and beseech and beg, and you can have some sort of representation over there. And so like it's a little bit cluttered. Right, unlike a king who's like, here's the, the monarch who speaks on high. We have the ability to help move the levers inside of Congress, though I don't think we always have great access to them, to be honest with you. Um, I'm kind of skeptical um, about any worldly power. If you haven't gathered that from me, if you've been in this church for, I don't know, any elections that we've ever had, I'm just skeptical of people in power in America. I just, I just don't have high esteem. for. I, I just think it's all a mess. Right? But I have Jesus, and that's who I hope for. But we have some, some slightly different. So I'm not saying write your congressman saying, hey, this law shouldn't be legal. It's civil disobedience. That's not the case. But in as far as we have to obey the law, we need to obey the law. Otherwise, someone like Brian Price is going to charge us up and, and send us down to the Hooskow down there, okay? Um, prosecutors like sending people to the Hooskow. I don't know why y'all like that. Um, it's like, I, I'd rather people, amen, I'd rather people not break the law. <laughs> that reminds me, this is a, a side story. Um, I was thinking, I'm thinking for Brian now, right? I'd rather people not break the law. I was watching a basketball game a couple years ago when James Harden played for the Rockets. And James Harden is kind of a wizard with getting people to foul him, right? And so he figures out how to get someone to foul him. The referees blow the whistle. And fans of other people do not like James Harden because he makes their guys foul him, right? It's not his fault, right? So he gets a foul, and some fan on the front row, you know, cusses at him and says, we're not here to watch free throws, Right? And James Harden looks at the guy in the face and he says, 
you're not here to watch me get fouled either. Tell them to stop. <laughs> At some point, you just got to stop doing the wrong thing. Okay, so that's, that's for free. Um, that was one of my favorite James Harden moments uh, before we shift him off to, to New Jersey to experience the same thing, or Brooklyn, I guess now, same thing he's experienced everywhere in Houston. Okay, continuing on. Uh, uh, so, so look, every, all authority is temporary. Right, all the authority, even the king who says himself as a god, is temporary. Right? Caesar said he was a god, worship me, he's going to die. He doesn't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. You might think that your line is going to last forever, that your, your, your son is going to take your power, and then his son is going to take his power, but it doesn't last forever. Right? I'm sure um, that Castro in Cuba thought somehow he would be able to retain power through his family. Right? Raul tried it for a little while after Fidel became incapacitated. Now there's some other dude who's trying to lead there, and there's rebellions in the street. Right? It just doesn't work that way. Like your power, your grip on power doesn't last forever. And for the believer who is not seeking power, we should not be seeking power. Um, that shouldn't be our goal in life. We can look at people in power and say, yes, for now. Right? Like, yeah, okay, for now. But like God is in power and eventually your power will stop. Right? And so we can suffer for a season knowing that their, their season is temporary in their authority, right? So we obey, recognizing that everything here is temporary. Going down uh, to verse 9 again, it says, All this observable, I'll apply my heart to everything that's done under the sun, when man had power uh, over man uh, to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried, and they used to go in and out of the holy place um, and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This is a vanity, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. Um, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear him, uh, they fear before him. But it will not be well for the wicked, for neither the wicked uh, will prolong his days like a sh uh, neither will he, but it will not, verse 13, let me read this right. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth that happens. Uh, there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. And I said, this is also a vanity. Verse 14 is a great summary, right? He says, look, there are righteous people who get wicked things, and there are wicked people who get what should be reserved for the righteous. This world is broken. Like there are people in power who may abuse their power. Their power is temporary. And you know the reason that that bad leader is in power instead of a good man? Because sometimes this world is just broken. Wrong outcomes happen on this side of eternity. Under heaven, on the earth, wrong outcomes happen all the time. I taught a Sunday school class today and I kind of leaned that way in the book of Job, right? Y'all are finished enough if you're in, if you're in that Bible study. Um, the book of Job closes out, and Job kind of gets back what he had. But you know what? All that he experienced, there's a lot of wrong outcomes in there for a man who is generally righteous and upright. But wrong outcomes happened to him. We experience that. You may be uh, right in what you're doing, and something wrong is done against you. I just want you to know it's okay. It's okay. We suffer on this side of eternity. Wrong things can happen, but God is still good. Because that's where our eyes turn immediately after we find out that seeming injustice happens. It drives us to look for a God who is truly just. And pick up with me 
in verse 15. It says, And I commend joy, for man has bet nothing better under the sun but to eat, drink, and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. And then I applied my heart, or when I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he's not going to find out. And even though a wise man claims to know, he can't find it out. Look, God is over all of us. That's what he's saying. He's saying you can set your whole life to seeking to understand what God is doing. You can set every part of you to understand how did God allow this leader to come to power and how did God allow this situation to happen in my life and how did God let this happen. And you can try to draw your web of understanding to make sense of the world around us, but you will never understand it because God is inscrutable. You just can't understand him. It's not to say that God doesn't understand what he's doing. It's to say you will never fully grasp it. You may catch a piece of it. right? You may catch a piece of why you suffered. Right? And I've experienced this in my life where I've gone through a situation. I've come out the other side and I can look back. And when I was in it, I couldn't see it. But now I can kind of see a thread of what God was doing. I can see what God is up to throughout the whole thing. But you're never going to understand God because you aren't God. The writer of Ecclesiastes wants you to know that and not just know it here, but begin to experience it day by day. You're not God. You don't know everything. You can't know everything. You can spend your whole life trying and you will barely scratch the surface of who God is. You know, I've done a series on the names of God, and I do it occasionally, and I'll bring one out, and I say God's like a diamond that has a, a, you know, a, a billion facets, and we can look at one facet, and we can begin to understand a piece of who God is, but we don't ever fully grasp him because he's beyond our grasp. He's bigger, and because he's bigger, all of this mess here, this temporal mess that we live in here, this temporary mess under ungodly leadership that we're forced to obey underneath, all of this mess that we walk through in our personal lives with broken relationships, that we walk in uh, in our professional lives with business deals gone bad, all of that mess, God understands how he paints it together to make the picture that he wants. God's ways are not your ways, but God is working in all the situations of the world. When Adolf Hitler took power in Germany, God was working through that situation. Does that mean God wanted Hitler to be the, the Fuhrer to lead to the extermination of the Jews? No, but God uses all situations and all powers and all circumstances to lead to the end that he has in mind. God is weaving a tapestry in this world that we will not understand on this side of eternity. And spoiler alert, I'm not 100% sure we're going to understand it fully on the other side of eternity. Because you're still not God. But you'll have a better grip. I promise. On the other side. But God is doing things now. And it may look like he's gone. It may look like wickedness is prevailing. It may look like this temporary rule is going to last forever. 
The powers may seem too strong, they may never seem to fall, and they may seem to be working for unrighteousness, but I want you to know God is still in control. He's sovereign. He's got it all. Thank you, by the way. He's got it all. That old children's song. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the little bitty babies in his hands. He's got you and me, brother. And he's got the whole world. And that song is still insignificant. He didn't just have this world in his hands. He's got the entirety of creation. Man, set your eyes up and look at the stars and recognize that you are like a, like a nothing speck in the history of God's creative order. And God sees you and sees the thing on the other side of the universe that we have yet to see because light doesn't travel fast enough for us to see over there yet. And God's got that in his hands. And if that's our God, and it is, then our, our, our daily worries about governing authorities and unrighteous people can fade away because he's got it under control. Seek righteousness. Dear Lord, seek righteousness. Like when you go to vote, we, we live in a country that lets you vote. If you have a choice between wickedness and righteousness, choose righteousness, right? Just so you know, though, I, rarely do I see that on the ballot. Just for me. I could be wrong. But rarely do I see that on the ballot. I do see, I do see some things that I don't like, though. And I'm like, I can't vote for that. Right? I can't vote. I can't vote for that. Just, I, I'm not going to get hyper-political here today. Just know your pastor lives in a, in, a, in a weird spot. But he also recognizes, like, this world is temporary. And the impact of your decision today, like, it matters. But ultimately what matters is are we going to be faithful to the God of the universe who has everything under his control? One of the great things that God did, understanding that he has everything in his control, is he drew us to himself through salvation. Uh, that just blows my mind. This God who has the entire cosmos in his hand, he's, he's weaving this tapestry together of all, of all of history. Not just our history, all of history together. To make the picture that he deems righteous, is righteous. And then he looks at you and he says, I want you threaded into this too. I'm going to send my son, I'm going, to send, I'm going to send my son to go to earth to redeem you. To take you from the, 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 the grip of death and hell and deliver you into the kingdom of life and heaven. And it comes through faith. Faith alone leads to this idea that God can graft us into this picture. It's not what you do. Right? It's, it's not what other people do. It's what, you, it's, it's what Christ has done for you. Will you believe in that? Will you execute faith in that? For us today, there's a couple things that you can apply here. The first thing is this. Look, I, I know, I know, I know, I know that we live in a hyper-politicized environment. But we also need to recognize that God, even if we don't like the picture that's being painted right now, where you live, maybe you don't like local Rockdale government, Maybe you don't like Milam County government. Maybe you don't like the state of Texas government. Maybe you don't like the national government. Maybe you don't like government at all and you're an anarchist. I don't know. All right, maybe you've got issues with all of them. 
Join me, by the way. That'll be a fun conversation. I'm with you there. Right? Join me. But maybe you got issues with a specific area there. I want you to recognize, like, those powers, like God has put them there. And so as far as we have to obey, we obey. And during our obedience, one of the ways that gets me through obeying people who I find to be reprehensible is that, that they're going to pass. Their power, not them personally, though that's true. Their power, their power is going to pass. Some of y'all are praying imprecatory prayers for people right now. God, judge this person. Fire down from heaven. You know what? There's psalms in there. You can enjoy them, right? right. I wasn't talking about that, though. I was talking about, like, their power is going to pass. They're going to be a relic somewhere out there, right? If you don't like the president today, that's okay. Like, I mean, look at George W. Bush. What's he doing now? Like, showing up randomly and waving at people? Like, he's got no power. Right? Most powerful man in the world 20 years ago. Maybe 15, I don't know. I'm not good at years. Most powerful man in the world once upon a time. Now he's just an old man walking around. Hey, guys, why don't you get vaccinated? Right? Like, like that's, that's, that's who he is now. Literally, Bill Clinton, same thing, right? Most powerful man in the world. Hey, guys, let's clean up the oceans. I don't know if he cares about oceans. He probably does. I care about oceans. Not the song, though. Just look at her. That's later. <laughs> that's later. But, guys, just recognize it's, it's temporary. We can get worked up, but there's other things that are bigger for us as Christians, and that's to glorify God today. And the way we do that is by looking to fulfill the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Make disciples, baptize, teach, love God, love others. Our church tries to do that. We're not perfect at it. You've got a scoundrel of a pastor. I don't know why you hired this guy. <laughs> right? I'm not perfect. I struggle. Right? I confessed to my Sunday school class today. My Sunday school class today, by the way, today. Right? It's like last night I'm getting, uh, I'm in an argument with my wife and I realized like, at, I'm late and it doesn't matter. Um, no amens for that at all, by the way. You ever get in an argument with someone and you're right because it's you, right? And then like they talk for a little bit and you're like, oh no, I'm not right at all. Right? You ever been there? That was last night for me. Right? I'm like, oh, man, I suck. I stink. Maybe I don't understand what words are inappropriate to say from the pulpit. Suck is probably one of them. So I'm going to work on that, okay? Um, I'm not great. Right? And I recognize that. Like, like, I'm not perfect, guys. But this church, this church right here, First Baptist Rockdale, like we're striving to lead people to know Jesus. To focus on that alone. There's other things that we could focus on. There's other problems in the world that we could focus on. But man, there's people lost going to hell. And we need to get in their lives and meet them. So let's do that. So you want to join us in that? Like, we're going to have an invitation in a minute. You're not a member of this church. And I mean, people from out of town probably don't join my church. Okay, join your church. You, you here? You live in Rockdale? You want to join a church that's going to try to do that? Join up. Fight with us. Stop fighting the fights that, that are temporary. And let's start fighting fights that are eternal. And if you've been distracted by that, today's a good day to stop. Turn the TV off. Go talk to your neighbors. Talk to them about Jesus. Because they need Jesus more than they need to know. Whether you love Joe Biden, or you love Donald Trump, or whatever your fight is that you've got in the world today. Let's just go. Governing authorities exist. We live underneath their power, but it's temporary. So we obey it while we have to, recognizing we're citizens of a better kingdom. 
and we have a better king. Let's pray.